Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Perspectives Podcast. Uh, like every other week, I am your host, Jerry. We got Josue with us. We got Danny with us. And today we have a very special guest. We got our brother, Andrew Fuentes. And uh, he's here to talk about a little bit of, um, you know, the end of, uh, of times and a little bit of what we're going through today. And, you know, we're very uh, grateful that he's here, that he agreed, uh, you know, to join us for this uh, episode of Perspectives. Uh, you know, it's a thank you for making it, for making time on your day, Andrew. I know you're very busy and I know that, you know, you have very a good amount of uh, ministries that you got to attend. And we really appreciate you making some time on your day to join us today. Um, so like like every other like every other episode, we want to start off by asking one question. For those of you who don't know who Andrew is, uh, we want to start off by asking Andrew, who is Andrew Puentes? Thank you, guys. I mean, again, like it's it's such a honor to be with you guys. The opportunity to share this moment with you guys. Um, you know that that's a that's an interesting question uh, because uh, it has it has such a. You could answer it in so many different ways. You can answer it personally. You can answer it in a sense of what you do. And I feel like what gives an individual uh, its ident- his identity is the purpose that he's fulfilling in life. So for yeah. right now, the purpose that I'm fulfilling in my life, I'm, I'm a pastor at Christian Life Center here in Stockton, California. I am a staff and a faculty member at Christian Life College, and I teach eschatology courses and other New Testament courses here at the Bible College. Um, but more than anything, you know, more than all that stuff, I, I just love the Lord Jesus Christ. I love God's word. Uh, yeah, I, I find myself uh, fulfilled in understanding and knowing the plan of God for my life. So in a nutshell, who is Andrew? I'm just trying to do the will of God and do everything that I can to, to fulfill his purpose in my life. But um, as to what I do, that's exactly what I do. And hopefully that answers the question the best way possible. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, that, that's great. So so you say, you say you're a professor and at um in Stockton, right? Yeah. What was the the college you said? Christian Life College. Christian Life College, that's awesome. So um Andrew, so obviously we today we want to talk about you know eschatology, which is your uh what would you focus on? Uh for those people who don't know what that is, do you mind uh you know explaining to us a little bit what that means? Yeah, absolutely. So eschatology it's 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 derived from uh, from from two Greek words. It's a compound of two Greek words, it's scatos and 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 uh, an ology at the end of of the understanding of the study of. So eschatos is pretty much the end of things or the end times. So when you put those two words in Greek together, that compound creates that word that means the study of the end times. That's pretty much what it is. So you talk about eschatology, you're talking about the emphasis within discipline and theology that has to do with prophecy, has to do with the prophetic occurrences and the the mind of God within the purpose that he wants to begin to fulfill throughout the ages and the times. So uh, eschatology will always, when you hear that term, you think of the end of the days. You think of prophetic uh, utterances, prophetic purposes that God is establishing um, and, and the time that he wants to be able to fulfill that. Awesome. I'd like to open off with adding to what Jerry was saying. Obviously, we're going to be talking about end times and you know what, what are we currently living in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to start off by just simply asking you, you know, if we could get uh, a breakdown of to you, what is a prophecy? What is what does it mean to live in the in the prophetic? If you could uh, share that with us. No, absolutely. That that's a that's a very that's a very good question. It's a very important question for us to be able to start with, because uh, you know, the prophetic could be almost like an enigma. Mm-hmm. It could be something that is kind of like so foreign, so esoteric. It's something that is. That is, it's almost confusing, you know, and people fear the prophetic. People fear 
the gift of prophecy. People fear the things that have to do with, with, with that subject because it's something that seems so far away, so foreign, so difficult to be able to achieve. True. But, um, but in reality, man, the prophetic is the mind of God and the, 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 the revelation of his mind to us. You know, what, what, what the will of God is, you know, it, it's so important. One of the most deepest books of the Bible, one of the most deepest books of the Bible when it comes to the meaning of deep in the sense of its essence is the book of Ephesians. And the reasons why we call the book of Ephesians such a deep book is because it talks about the predestined will of God. You know, he, before the foundations of the earth, the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4 of Ephesians is talking about the church and the fulfillment, the purpose, and the essence of the church. But it's talking about the mind of God and the thought of God and the purpose of God before time began. See, God is a God of purpose. He is driven by that purpose that he has, and he's fulfilling this purpose through everything that he does. So when we as human beings get a glimpse of that, a, a, a receive a revelation, for example, what was the prophetic in the story of, you know, we all know the story of Joseph, right? He was sold by his brothers. He, he ended up in prison. He, he was betrayed, not betrayed, but he was... He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. What? Why? Because of the prophetic. Right. The Bible says that Joseph dreamed a dream. Mm -hmm. And that dream showed him the mind of God for his life. It was a mm. prophetic insight to what was to come. The prophetic visited him to be able to reveal purpose. I feel like the prophetic reveals purpose. The prophetic reveals the divine will of God. And, um, you know, I don't think that we have to focus so much on what is the prophetic, but I think we have to focus more on how to get to a place to receive the prophetic yeah. and to fulfill the prophetic. I think that's the most important thing that we have to, when talking about these things. Well, when it comes to that, God is a revealing God. He wants to reveal himself. Think about it. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. In other words, every single individual that tried to get close to God, God would always talk to them, walk with mm -hmm. them. Right? What did, what did it say about Enoch? Enoch walked with God. That's right. Enoch got so close to God. And because God's nature is a revealing nature, God wants to reveal who he is. God wants to reveal his power. God wants to reveal his purpose. God wants to reveal his mind. That's why the closer that you get to God, the more clearer you're going to hear his voice. And the more, the, the more space will the prophetic have to be able to influence and impact your life, impact your ministry, impact every single area of what you do. So it's so important for us to be able to understand that and and, you know, I mean, the prophetic is the will of God for your life is things that are in the mind of God that have not happened. And the most powerful thing about the prophetic is that through a through a positioning in the spirit in, and you know, obviously we're talking about spiritual things, but through a positioning in the spirit, through prayer, through fasting, through what Romans chapter 12, verse one and two says, literally, it positions you to a place to be able to not only receive the prophetic, but see the prophetic be fulfilled in the today. So we bring the tomorrow to today. We bring the will of God. And again, don't forget, God is not bound to time. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. God's, mm -hmm. word is, God's word is both the beginning and the fulfillment of everything. Mm -hmm. right? When he sure. speaks something, he's not bound to anything. You know, he's mm -hmm. outside of time. So, you know, present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Be, do not conform to this word, but be, be renewed in your mind so you can prove what is the perfect, perfect. and acceptable will of God. Yeah. I mean... So when you get into talking about, you know, what, what is prophecy, don't complicate <clears throat> it. Don't make it something that it's not. Yeah. It's God talking right. to you. It's God wanting to reveal himself to you. It's God trying to show you why 
why why he put you here. Really quick, just to end to end this, this question to answer this question. You know, Mark Twain has a quote. And he's not in the Bible. You wouldn't call him a brother, Mark Twain, but he, he has a, he has a quote. He has a quote, and and it impacted my life. You know, before I came to being what I am today, I was I, I lived in New York City. I grew up in New York City. I was doing architecture completely different. I never thought I would teach at a Bible college. I never thought I would preach. I never thought I would be a minister. But um, I remember I heard a quote by Mark, by Mark Twain. It said, "The two greatest days of a human being's life." The first one is when they're born, and the second greatest mm-hmm. day of human beings' life is when they when they realize why they were born. Mm-hmm. They come to a realization why they came to why they're here on this earth, and I believe that through the prophetic, the, the the Holy Ghost, God begins to show you why He created you and the purpose behind all that. So hopefully that answers. Shred, I like how you used to on Romans uh, twelve. Um, that's actually in our bio, which is we 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 really like that verse because, it, it, like you said, you know, uh, it. It reveals to you right. what God has for you. You know, like don't be conformed to the ways of this world, right? Um, also, a question that I had uh, regarding mm-hmm. prophecy: um, Do you do you think uh, today there's still prophets? Uh, good question. Very, very good question. So, uh, the way that the, the church is structured, the way that the church the church has been structured and was structured by God. Um, the book of Ephesians, again, like I referenced it before, chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, gives us an understanding of the structure, the infrastructure, the essence of the church and how it works. You know, uh, we, 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 we build upon the foundation that has been built by the prophets and by the apostles, right? As the, 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 the book of Ephesians says, the apostle Paul is talking about. So, you know, when we come to the fivefold ministry, the fivefold ministry is the way that God has orchestrated for the church to work, right? We don't see, we see two fundamental uh uh, 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 offices within within this five-fold ministry that have fulfilled their roles in what they do in the structure of the church. So let me let me let me go further when it can, when it comes to that. Well, the apostles were chosen by God to establish doctrine. We build upon the foundation of the apostles. The prophets were chosen by God to establish doctrine. We build mm-hmm. upon the foundation of the apostles. And the prophets. Now, that's the office of a prophet, the spirit of a prophet, the ministry of a prophet, you know, in being used as a mouthpiece of God in order to be able to to uh, to to bring forth the will of God to a certain moment, to a certain church, to a certain time period. To, that is that is still that is still very well active. Why? Because, you know, according later on in Scripture, it says prophesy according to the measure of faith. So it does say there's space for prophecy. There's space. There's not space to to redesign the foundation. So, for mm. example, if you can look at, and, and I have a background in architecture, if you could look at the church today, this is this is a, a skyscraper, and we are in floor two thousand and something according to the years. <laughs> let's say the church started in the day of Pentecost, right? When it started the day of Pentecost, let's say that's when the foundation of this building was set, and it was being set throughout the beginning of the church age beginning of, the, of that first century church the apostles did all the work that's the, the apostle paul the apostle Peter, they did all the work to set the foundation and then year after year as the church went and as the church age is taking its completion to this time period what happens we come and we start building upon the foundation of the prophet the apostles we're building we're building and today today you and i are the builders of this great work you and i are what god is using to build upon so and, that, and that's what we call ourselves apostolic Pentecostals, right? That's right. It's a powerful right. term. 
or apostolic. And, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get into all that because I'm, I, I feel very, very zealous, very mm-hmm. zealous over that, over that term. That you can't just call anybody apostolic. You can't That's just right. call anybody. You can't just call anybody Pentecostal. I'm gonna go further. You can't just call anybody Christian. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Be very okay. careful with that, because we are I, uh, building upon upon something, <laughs> guys. We're building upon something that no man look look. If it wasn't for the power of the Holy Ghost, this wouldn't be here. The church was founded by fire, and the church has stayed through tribulation and times of headache through fire. And the church is gonna make it and fulfill its purpose in fire. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's. Uh, I'm not trying to get off topic, but. You know, um, yes, there is space. There is space for the ministry of a prophet. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, with that being said, speaking about prophets and prophecy um, and speaking of eschatology and end times, uh, the prophet that comes to mind is is John in the mm-hmm. book of Revelation. And in chapter one, verse three, where it says, blessed is he that readeth, that readeth this book. And in that the latter portion of that verse, it says, for the time is at hand. Mm-hmm. So... In these critical times, in these times that we're living in, you have a lot of people hypothesizing, a lot of people theorizing. Uh, some people say, no, we're not in the end times. It's just something we always hear. This is just coincidental. Uh, some say, like myself, we are in the end of times and the trumpet is being ready to be sound at any moment. Some people say, some people are a, a millennialist. Well, they think that all that was written for something that happened thousands of years ago and it happened already. Um, where do you stand? Where does Andrew Puente stand in that debate or in that discussion? Where are we? That's why we titled it End Times Question Mark because a lot of people are questioning right. whether these are the end times. So where does Andrew Puente stand in that debate or not debate, but discussion? Are we living in the end times? You know, you said you said you said a you said a powerful foundation with the way that you worded that question. Powerful foundation. And you referenced a scripture that is so it's so simple. But because it's so simple, I think we just kinda like oversee it. Revelation one three. The book of Revelation starts with a promise and ends with a promise. You know, Revelation chapter twenty two, at the end of, 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 of the book, it says it reminds you of that same promise. Blessed is he that what? That reads Read. hears and does mm. okay people aren't reading <laughs> people aren't reading okay people are uh, let alone led doing by any voice that they hear that is enticing them people are mm. getting led by any voice that is tickling their ear and wants and, and is is entertaining their lifestyle people are are, are are hearing whatever is whatever is enticing their lifestyle whatever is enticing what they're where they're living at right now that's, that's what they're hearing. That's what they're believing. That's what they're defining to be. And, you know, when it's, when you ask me, where is Andrew Puente's stand? I'm going to tell you this right here, right now. Man. I want to make it to, I want to make it to heaven. Amen. Okay. Ultimately, like beyond, look, beyond my comforts here on earth, I want to make it to heaven. Beyond the way that I might feel about certain things that are challenging me from the word of God, I want to make it to heaven. Beyond the mm-hmm. things that I have, the, beyond the changes that I have to make in my own life, when the when the Word of God lights that that revelation to a dark place in my life, I want to make it to heaven. So when you want to make it to heaven, you are in search of truth. Why? Because the truth is the only thing that's powerful and absolute enough to be able to set you free. Yes. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free from what? From the questions. You asked me. I remember I, was, I had a conversation with with a friend of mine, and I was 
And he asked me, he said, Andrew, if something happened today, God forbid, do you know that, you're, that, you'll, that you'll be saved? Like, is that a knowledge that you know? I looked at him without a question in my mind. I said, yes. I know that if I yeah. died right now, I'd be saved. And I looked at him and I said, how about you? And he said, I don't know. Sheesh. I'll tell you this, man. <laughs> Look, people can try. And, 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 you know, we're not, we're not here to, to I'm not judging anybody. Absolutely not. I'm just saying, no, no, no. Try and they can, they can say that they have this belief system and they have that belief system. Intent is prior to content. Mm-hmm. What defines mm-hmm. the content is the intention previously that is inspiring the content. I could be telling you so many things and they sound good, but in reality, my intention is different. And the thing is this, the Lord doesn't see the content. The Lord sees the heart of man. He sees the intention. We, are, we, we, stand, we stand naked in front of God. Our, our thoughts stand naked in front of God. Our words stand, we can't fool him. So when it comes to, you know, where, where do I stand in the sense of, of, of what's going on with an eschatology? And, and you said it, this debate, oh, well, this question, because it is a very debatable subject. Man, eschatology, eschatology gets scandalous, man. Eschatology gets crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, it's debatable. It, it, mm-hmm. It's something that is, that is so crazy. But it's, it's like any other theological uh, system in the Bible. Why? Because I'll tell you this. Everything that the Bible teaches is not to make your flesh comfortable. Mm-hmm. Let it be eschatology. Let it be holiness. Let it be anything to do with deity and with the, nat- with the nature of God. Let it be anything that has to do with biblical principle and biblical teaching and biblical doctrine. It is not made to make your, to make your flesh comfortable. I heard a preacher say like this. Jesus Christ didn't come to earth to hurt your flesh. No, he came to earth to, to kill your flesh. No, that's good. It's like he, he, that's good. he came to earth to challenge you in such a way. That you know, the, the Apostle Peter says, says it this way, that we have received uh, eternal promises to be able to understand and know what godliness is, to be partakers of the nature of Christ. In other words, sure. everything that God does in you is not to keep you the way that you are. Again, Romans chapter 12. And if you guys, you guys having that verse as the core of your project and what you're doing through this podcast, oh man, that's a foundation for victory. That's a foundation for success. Because what you're telling the people that are getting involved in this podcast, what you're telling them is saying something is beyond yourself and beyond the things that you want, the most important thing is for you to understand and know, I'll do whatever it takes to make it to heaven. I'll change whatever needs to be changed. I'll die to whatever things I need to It's sacrifice. With Christ, I am crucified. No longer do I live. I live. Christ lives in me. That's Man, quote that makes pretty, but at the end of the day, bro, when you fulfill that, it's not cute. <laughs> it yeah. is pretty. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people see like I make myself a living sacrifice. Like, what does a living sacrifice look like? <laughs> that means you're literally alive on top of fire. You know, you're literally hurt. Like, it, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. Just like be alive and be sacrificed. Like. It's not an easy thing to do. No, and, and and that's that's the perfect example. So when you're telling me now, you know, now let's go, let's get look into the theological construct of the question. You know, you're telling me what is this preterist, all these different types of things. You know, I want to look at the Bible. I want to do. I want to receive that blessing. You know that that's one of the only places in Scripture that it says that you are that that it gives you a blessing to read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to receive this blessing, and to be able to receive this blessing, I have to read. But I have to read. I have to read not with a deductive understanding. I I, I can't read uh, with a deductive approach. I I suggesting everything that I read so it could fit my lifestyle, mm-hmm. so it could fit the comforts of me. 
all right, well, I'll do this, I'll do that, but but don't don't mess with that area of my life. Hmm. Don't mess with my finances. Don't mess don't mess with my my life that with, with my fleshly desires. Don't mess with this. Don't mess. You know, when those things start getting start getting touched, start getting questioned, that's when it starts getting a little bit more different. That's when the dying and the sacrifice and the complexity of you being able to make a decision comes to play. So when it says, blessed is he that reads and hears, right? Well, what happens through hearing? Faith comes through hearing. Faith empowers you to be able to make decisions according to what is not seen or even understood. There are things in scripture that we'll never understand. But because we hear, and that's powerful, because we hear and we read, God gives us the faith to believe. I don't, look, I, I can't explain a miracle. Miracles are unexplainable. But through faith, the supernatural becomes natural, becomes real, because God is looking for an avenue for those not to question. How can my six-pound brain understand an omniscient, omnipresent, omnipowerful God? True. <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah. The Still element not. of faith is what positions me to be able to get a hold of what God wants for my life, get a hold for the plan of God, and understand it in a way that I'm submitting to His will. I'm submitting to His plan. And in prophecy, it's so important. When it comes to all different types of theological discourses that have to do with other eschatological uh, landings, for example, I'm millennialist and everything. It always comes from a hermeneutical, hermeneutical uh, perspective. What do I mean by that? Well, hermeneutics is the discipline or the, the, the approach that you use in reading scripture, in interpretation. It's the art of interpretation. Well, whatever lens you use, to be able to interpret, that's what's going to give you the definition and the reality of that word, that literature that you're reading, right? So if the hermeneutic that I'm approaching scripture with is a hermeneutic that says the following, I am coming with my own conclusions. And these conclusions are the definite factors are going to define what I'm going to take out of what I'm reading. And the word of God is never going to have an authority over your life. It'll be just a book of good words. It'll be just a book of good advice. But it won't be authority. It won't be a book that tells you what's right and what's wrong. Because authority is something that you submit to. Well, if you come with with a deductive reasoning into hermeneutically understand scripture, then that means that your lifestyle is the authority in what's going to happen in that process of of you interpreting scripture. Let me make it more simple. If I don't like certain things... And if I am used to living my life in a certain type of way and I'm reading something that is defying what's comfortable to me, I have to change the way that I interpret that, thing, that, that, that word. It's like it's, it's keeping everybody happy. I yeah. keep God happy. I keep the world happy. I keep my flesh happy. I keep my pastor happy. I keep everybody happy. But guess what? In love, you don't keep everybody happy. <laughs> you make the decision. And when you make the decision, you silence all the other voices. When it comes to the hermeneutical approach of eschatology, well, the rapture, you know, people say that the rapture isn't real. John Darby made it up. You know, he, he, there was a girl that had a vision and, and she had an ecstasy, a moment of ecstasy. And, and John Darby heard this and, and he created this doctrine. And what happens when the Apostle Paul is saying, we that are left here will be caught up and gathered in the clouds with him as well. What's up with all these other scriptures that clearly talk about the rapture? 
how can where was John Darby when Paul was writing this? John Darby wasn't even alive. So it's like, so where do they get all this stuff? Well, John Darby has to be a point of contention for people that believe that stuff because they're hermeneutic. Their approach to scripture is allegorizing things. It's not taking things literally. It's not mm-hmm. taking things for, for, for what they are. It's, it's called reader's response approach. I don't know if you guys heard about that. It's a literary term that is used to be able to understand uh, 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 interpretation and the way that you understand things. Why do I use the word deductive and, in, and, and inductive? When I teach at the Bible college, I say, when you come to scripture, scripture defines itself. It interprets itself. It doesn't need your help. <laughs> God doesn't need your help to interpret things. He's God. Mm-hmm. Let him do He's God. What you do is you read and you conform to it. Mm. You don't conform the Bible to you. You conform yourself mm. to the Bible. Yeah. That's Important. what it's authority. If the Bible says, if the Bible says to die daily, if the Bible says that there's a trumpet that's going to sound, if the Bible says that there's a rapture that's going to happen, if the Bible says that there's an antichrist that's going to make a covenant with Israel, if the Bible says that God's plan and God's covenant with Abraham is eternal, you know, a lot of, a, a, there's, there's so many different views of eschatology, but I'll tell you this. There's two camps. There's two camps. There's replacement theology, and there's those that believe in dispensationalism. Easy, right? Replacement theology is this. There is no future for Israel. Hmm. Israel's time is done. Israel has nothing to do with the plan of God anymore, okay? They're the ones that have that plan B type of mentality. Well, Israel didn't accept God, and because they didn't accept Jesus Christ, God was scratching his head and said, well, I guess what I have to do, well, let's go to the Gentiles. Let's start a church. What? The church was never plan B from God. Absolutely not. It was in the mind of God. Like, like I said, Ephesians says that it was, it, was, it was predestined since before time began. So within these two camps is the understanding and it's how you choose to interpret what is being read. If you come to the Bible and you read it deductively, you have your, 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 your conclusions, your a priori type of, 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 of mentalities. You come and you bring that to Scripture. And then you read the Bible, and the Bible says, well, there's a rapture. Ah, what do you have to do? I need to allegorize this. I need to make it allegorical. There has to be some deeper spiritual meaning into it. No, well, what that really means, right? And you know what the, we know what the, 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 the dangers of allegorical interpretation are? Look, how many? We're one, two, three. We're four people here. We can read a text, and the four of us can have four different conclusions. <laughs> yep. That's why there's so many different that, – that's why prophecy is so confusing. That's why prophecy is an enigma. You know why? Because there's so many conclusions. There's so many thoughts. There's so many opinions. There's so many, there's so many teachings. There's so many. And it's like, well, am I reading what the word blessed is he that looks for teachers? I know that reads. I believe this guys, that when you read the word of God, there is a supernatural divine intervention that happens by the spirit of God and the spirit of revelation that hits you. You can receive the word of God like John received it. You can receive the prophetic anointed, the prophetic anointed word of God like Daniel received it. You can. I can. How? By getting in the word. By reading the word. By hearing the word. Getting into the word. So what does Andrew stand? Andrew believes what the word of God says. We, we are premillennialist. In other words, we believe in a millennial reign. We believe that prior to a millennial reign, there's going to be a second coming. There's going to be a time of tribulation and the church will not be here for that tribulation period. Mm-hmm. We believe that the, that the church will be raptured. We believe mm-hmm. that we are living in the end days. Yeah. We believe that this is the time that God is fulfilling his word. And we are living in a very critical time in the year 2020, like never 
before. before. Like never before. Romans chapter 13 is real. Mm. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. And knowing and knowing the time that it is high time to awake of sleep. Because now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. That's good. That's what I said. I'm sorry. Maybe if I talk too much, I apologize. Oh, no. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. You're good. We love it, man. So you you said something um, in the beginning that was so interesting to me. You said that the word of God isn't here to make us comfortable. And that, wow, that's so so powerful because, um, you know, churches, they're scared to preach about the end of times. Not to scare brothers away, you know, um, and and they, they do it for that purpose. I feel like they're not taking into consideration the fact that they're not preparing them for what is to come. So they're compromising, I would say, quality over quantity because they, they'll rather have a hundred brothers that are happy listening to prosperity preachings then have 10 brothers who are because they know the truth and they know what God's plan is and they choose to follow this plan because it's so important and it's so it's so holy and 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 like you said it's it's four of us in here and if we read the same bible verse everybody's going to understand something different now if you leave an important part part out like, for example, let me, let me let me give you this example. You're watching a movie and 20 minutes before the movie ends, you turn it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so that, that, that's pretty much what's going on when, 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 when you know, pastors don't want to talk about and, the times. Um, and w- do you, my question uh, with that was, do you think that it is, you know, critical for the church to to speak of that? Not only now. But do you think it was important for them to speak of it before we started seeing signs, before we became scared of what's happening, before we became fearful because we saw that biblical prophecies are happening now? And, and you know, before we were so comfortable just riding the train, uh, you know, hearing about all these stories the Bible tells us that we lost track of, you know, what where the train is going and we we didn't we we're blinded to to the end of of where what we are doing is taking us. Do you think it's important for churches to really speak on you know the revelation of 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 the word of of God and and the conclusion of His plan? I, I, let me ask you something to to that. When was the last time that you guys heard the word rapture behind the pulpit? Mm. I used it last time I preached. <laughs> <laughs> what well, you know it's it's a when, when was when was the last time that that you know and and, and let, me, let me tell you the prophetic the prophetic releases the supernatural it activates the supernatural the the the, the primitive church we all we you know we make a mistake as a church that we live in this the glory days of the book of acts mm. the glory man with the shadow of peter sick were healed you know Pieces of the clothing of Paul were thrown and demons were casted out. Like those are our glory days. Oh, no, 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 no. Those are not our glory days. Those are the days of our beginning. And the latter reign will be greater, much greater than the first. So, and and, and that's another hermeneutical interpretation, but I wanted to add it to this because, you know, Bible says this. Acts 1 in, and you shall receive power. To be, to do what? To go to, to, to go to church and and be in the four walls and speak, speaking tongues to each other, like <laughs> 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 just jump around and, you know, dance. And 
That's the power? That, that, that's mm-hmm. the power. That's the power. Witnesses. In other words, what is a witness? A witness is somebody that's making themselves available for another to be able to see them. Mm-hmm. They're being used as an avenue of revelation. Mm-hmm. We reveal to the world the supernatural power of God. How? How? By activating that power. You know why the church of the book of Acts was so powerful outside? Because they had an urgency in their hearts. What did Peter preach in the day of Pentecost, boys? What did he preach? Did he preach about the love of God? Did mm-hmm. he preach about the mercy of God? Did he preach about God's going to bless you with a new home, with a new car? No, no, no. He preached eschatology, Joel chapter 2. Mm-hmm. He preached an end time. And what happened to the people? They got pricked in their hearts. Urgency hit them. When you begin mm-hmm. to speak about the end time, when you begin to speak about prophecy, oh, it starts getting people concerned. Yeah. Yeah. It starts. It, you used an example of a train. When I teach you at the Bible college, I tell them this. I said, let's say that you have to catch a train at 10 o'clock in the morning. You wake up at 8. What's the urgency on your heart? What's the urgency on your time? What's the urgency on your schedule? Not too bad. You got two hours. So you plan accordingly, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to nine, now it gets a little bit more, you're more mindful of it. Why? Mm-hmm. At eight o'clock, you're not really too much thinking about the train. You're thinking about the things that you need to get ready to be able to get to the train. But at nine sure. o'clock, you're thinking more about the train than the things you need to get ready because it's getting closer. Mm-hmm. You're aware and that's why that whatever Romans chapter 13 and knowing the time, being aware of the time, there is no awareness. Nobody's telling the clock. The alarm clock is ticking and nobody's and nobody's being a, a, a nobody is is, is 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 being a voice of this. We so what happens? Snooze. Pre- Say it again. We keep pressing snooze. <laughs> so <laughs> 930 comes. The urgency starts going up, man. I got to start getting ready to leave here in a little bit because I got to go catch that train. 9.45, you're thinking more about that train. 9.50, you're not sleeping. I'm going to go take a nap before I go catch the train. And it's 9.50. I got 10 minutes. I'm going to go take a nap. No, you wouldn't do that. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. It's now time to wake out of sleep. And if the Apostle Paul said that over 2,000 years ago, Mm. how much more is it now time to wake up asleep? How much more in the year 2020? Yes, yes. We are doing a disservice by not speaking about the end time. We are doing a disservice by allowing other things to take forefront in what we talk about when it comes to the church. Because I'll tell you this much. The power of God was revealed in the book of Acts because it was a church that had an urgency. They had a, It was a church that had a time clock. It was a church that was aware of the time. It was a church that knew at any moment. I'll make the question a little bit more personal. When was the last time that you woke up? In the, you woke up, and the first thought that came to your mind was the rapture can happen today. Recently, so, <laughs> praise a couple God, nights ago, bro. Praise God, <laughs> praise God. But unfortunately, bro, that's that's not everybody. Yeah. Yeah. we're so caught up. We're so mm-hmm. conformed to this world. We're comfortable. We're, we're so conformed yeah. to. And it's not, and it's not I, living in fear. It's not. You know, yeah, I was going to say fear. that. Yeah. I was going to say that. It's not living in fear because when I think of like the rapture or when I think of the end times, I don't, I'm not scared. It's not I, like, why am I afraid? Right. Like, right. There's no reason for me to be afraid. Um, there's an old song that, um, that I heard recently. It came out in the 1960s and it's very upbeat and it's very happy song. But if you listen to the, to the lyrics, it's a, it's a Christian song. It's an apostolic song. It's talking about the rapture. And then the, and then the singer goes, could it be that this 
can be the, the day that starts eternity, the day that we've been waiting for so long. And it couldn't be that yesterday the king of king was the kings the king of kings will turn and say, pick up that trumpet and blow it loud and strong. And I was like, I love the song because it's so happy. And I'm happy for that. I can't wait for that. Like, why should I be fearful? That's it. That's it, man. And I don't mean to I don't mean to cut you off. No, I, go for it. Go for it. I remember I was I was I was ministering at a church one time and, and I told them and I said, you know what? When that trumpet sounds, it's not gonna catch it's not gonna catch it by surprise. Yeah. I'm about to be like deuces. <laughs> it's, not, it's not gonna. It's not gonna be like the alarm clock. Like, you you kind of wake up. You're like, oh man, I, I, I'm late. No, no, no. I'm gonna tell you right here, guys. When that trumpet sounds, you know what I'm gonna feel? I'm gonna feel a familiar feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna okay. feel the feeling that I felt when I was deep in prayer. I'm gonna feel the mm-hmm. feeling that I felt when I was in that moment of intimacy with God. I was so close to God through prayer. I was so close to God in those moments of deep consecration. Why am I going to feel a familiar feeling? Because when that trumpet sounds, that means that I'm going to finally, finally go be with him. Mm-hmm. It's no yeah. longer going to be just me closing my eyes and praying about it. But now that feeling that I felt when I was praying about it in, the, in, in, my, in my prayer closet, now it's a real feeling that I'm going to be able to experience for the rest of my existence. Yeah. The rapture is something that we're not afraid of. The rapture is something that we look forward Absolutely. to because it's finally the fulfillment of what. And this is the thing. When you make the decision of allowing the Bible to become an authority in your life, you die to yourself. And when you live for Christ, you love God so much that you're anticipating. You literally yeah. live for the moment. My dad has a my dad has this saying, and he says, five seconds into heaven, five seconds into you making and walking into heaven, you're not gonna be thinking about your car. You're not gonna be thinking about your house. You're not gonna be thinking about your education. You're not gonna be thinking about your bank account. You're not gonna be thinking about your friends, no. Five seconds to heaven, you know what you're gonna be thinking about? Man, why didn't I pray more? Yeah. Why didn't I fast more? Why didn't I read more? Why didn't I consecrate more? When you see this place, when you see what God has for you, when you see everything that is there, you're like, man, why? Why mm-hmm. didn't I? And I don't I don't wanna have regret walking into heaven. It's like um like we're just going to go in there. Um, <laughs> you know, Matthew 24, ah. Jesus says it will be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he, he says the days of Noah. Um, and then particularly, you know, I was studying a lot of Sodom and Gomorrah a couple, like a month ago because um, I had to preach. And I was like, this is the word God gave me. This is the word I'm going to give. Mm. And in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, they actually knew, what, well, not they, but Lot knew that the that Sodom was going to get destroyed, right. and the angels that 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 told Lot said, "Get everyone that is like you, and get them out of the city." In other words, you know, tell everybody that this place is going to get destroyed. Be a witness, you know. Yeah, be a witness exactly. Like let them know. And he went, and he went to his uh, sons in laws, and they said that they thought he was joking, that they thought he was uh, kidding, and they they thought they were mocking him because they said like, "Oh, come on." But the fact that Lot wasn't afraid to tell them in the first place is what inspires me. So like what I what I thought, like when you were saying, like, you're not going to be thinking uh, you're going to be thinking I should have prayed more. That's what I was thinking when I was when I was studying it. I need to tell everybody because we don't have that same privilege that Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah did. For all we know, Lot could have told the entire city. He could have told everybody, his neighbor, like he had time to do all these things. Because he said, you know, when the, when morning comes, it's going to be destroyed. Yeah. So you have enough time to 
tell these people you have enough time to repent yourself. You have enough time to, you know, make amends with a brother that you disrespected. You have enough time to like love your neighbor like you should, you know, but we're not going to have that time. It's going to be in a twinkling of an eye. We, we should be doing that constantly, you know, and um, that's so and, powerful. That, that's, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt. But that's so powerful. He said that because, you know, you know, you know what you want to know what a sign of the times is. A sign of the end times is somebody getting healed, somebody mm. getting delivered, somebody receiving the Holy Ghost. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Being a witness is being able to be a transporter of the glory of God and be a witness to the world of the signs that are to come in the kingdom that are to come. You see, Hebrews chapter 6 says uh, the, the power of the kingdom to come, the glory of the kingdom to come, the things that are to come. Every single time that you have a church service... And the power of God begins to move. It's a prophetic moment. It's a moment where revelation is happening. It's a moment where the witnessing of the power of God, the signs of the times begin to manifest themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, when you put yourself in that place, so being a witness, you know, we, 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 we concentrate so much and it's important to be right with God. I need to be right with God. But not only that, but I need to be a witness. Exactly. I, my life needs to be witnessing the signs of the time of times. My life needs to be an example of the signs. In other words, when I walk, the supernatural walks with me. When I walk, the power of God walks with me. Why? Because that's what God wants to do. God wants to reveal himself. And how else but through his hands and feet, which is the church. I think something really good that you said, uh, we got to be witnesses and also uh, to talk about the signs. I have this question related, and, and it kind of goes to what Jerry asked in the beginning. So you did say, yes, you agree that we are living in the end time that you believe on what Scripture says. Mm -hmm. And talking specifically about Scripture, if someone were to ask you, you know, if we are living in certain prophecies already, you know, which ones, which ones within the Scripture would you say that we are currently living in right now? Absolutely. Great question. Uh, right now, we are living in a time period called the church age. The church age mm -hmm. is, is a time period that has a beginning and has an end. Uh, dispensationalism is not a hermeneutic. It's a theology. It's a system. It's a theological system that allows us to be able to understand how God works and the type of the type of way that God the type of way that God manages and and um, and works through revelation. Right. So, really quick, the dispensation. Pretty much, what it is is God sends a revelation. God sends a a a. a yeah, a revelation of, of his will for that time period. There is a receiving of men and a responsibility for men to administrate that revelation. And then there's a moment of testing. And then there's a judgment. How did you manage the revelation that I gave you for this amount of time? Well, right now we're living in the church age. What is the, what is the salvation revelation that we are to manage right now? John 3. That is the salvific revelation that we are to manage right now in this church age. What are we living right now? We are living the fulfillment of Matthew 13. Mm -hmm. We are living. Matthew 13 is a series of parables. And by the word, there is kingdom. But later on, we begin to see and notice that this church program, which was not revealed yet by Jesus Christ and was spoken. You see, the first time that you hear the word church is not after the book of Acts. No, the first time you hear the word church is by the founder of the church, Jesus Christ, Matthew 16. Upon this rock, I will build my church, yeah. my church, this program, this program that I've been telling you guys about. When? Matthew 13, this, these parables, the parables that I've been giving you, the, the, this, these stories. God was putting, Jesus was, 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 was putting spirit, spiritual nuggets. He was 
putting seeds of revelation into these apostles, into these disciples, which later will be apostles, will be the founder, with the, 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 not the founder, well, yeah, the founders through, through, through the power of the Holy Ghost of the church. So what happens is when, when, you, get to this, when you get to this place of, of where are we today, we have to understand this. There's people that are current news junkies. Mm-hmm. They just want current, like, man, like, for example, something, you know, something just happened. And, man, I got so many text messages and so many phone calls. Like, is this is this the Antichrist pact? Is this mm-hmm. it? Like, is this the peace agreement? Well, guys, don't forget, George, George Bush had a peace agreement. Bill Clinton mm-hmm. had a peace agreement. I mean, it's like it's like part of the agenda of the, of the president of the United States to have a peace agreement with, with, with the Middle East. Right. There's there's contention in the Middle East and it's supposed to be that way. Can I say something? And, and I want to say it's just what's going on right now. It's supposed to happen. Yeah. We're supposed to be living in these times. Things are mm-hmm. supposed to be this way. We shouldn't be scratching our heads saying, God, what's going on? Like what's happening? This is crazy. It's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to happen. So when it comes to this whole sense of, you know, the, the peace treaty and all this stuff. Well, is that the fulfillment of Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 11? Is that the fulfillment of the holy covenant that Antichrist is going to make? Read. If you mm. read, you'll understand and you know what it is. So going back, what to the question that the brother asked, what times are we living in right now? We're living in the times of the church of Laodicea and the church of Philadelphia. What mm. do I mean by that? Revelation chapter 2 and 3. They talk about seven different churches located in Asia Minor. The book of Revelation is a timeline of multiple different types of occurrences that happen. And it's the revelation of God in the fulfilling of, in the fulfilling of his purpose and how he's going to do it. But this, this book is divided into three different revelations, three different parts, right? Uh, revelation chapter 1, verse 9, 18 19 says, write the things that were, the things that are. And the things that are to come. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the book of Revelation, you have to divide the book of Revelation into three parts. The things that were, the things that are, and the things that are to come. Chapter one is the things that were. John, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right? He presents himself. John present, uh, Jesus presents himself to John Howe. And he begins, John begins to describe him in these different types of of, of, of uh, the descriptive uh, um, details of God and how he presents himself to him. Isaiah described them exactly the same way. Mm. The Old yeah. Testament, the prophet. So what, the revelation mm-hmm. of Jesus, right? The things that were. The one that walked with mm-hmm. Adam in the cool of the day, it was me. The one that spoke to Moses in the, in the burning bush, it was me. The one that Isaiah prophesied about, the child that was to come, it was me. The one that was born in Bethlehem, it was me. The one that died on the cross and resurrected, it was me. And the one that is talking to you right here, right now, was me. The coming king, it's me. The revelation of Jesus Christ, I am the one. Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. The only one. That's the revelation things that were. Now write the things that are. And he starts writing where? John was living in the time, in this period, in the church age. So John starts writing in the churches. What happens? And then write the things that are to come. Chapter 4, John is translated from where? From earth to heaven. And mm-hmm. everything that happens later on, he sees it from where? From heaven. From heaven, yeah. So that means that it's future things. So what are the prophecies that are being fulfilled right now? We are living in the church age. We are living in the fulfillment of the gap between the 69th and the 70th week of Daniel. We're living in this, this, this gap period. In which God is fulfilling the church program, right? You want to know something that has to do with the fulfillment of prophecy and the things that are to come according to the tribulation after the rapture? Look at Israel. Israel, Israel is the is the 
the, the thermostat or the temperature uh, 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 reading of the plan of God. That, that's what it is. Because after the church program is done, after the church age is over, and God begins to what? Now goes back and deals with the fig tree. Matthew 24, you, you referenced it. Jesus didn't, in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus didn't give the disciples an exact day or time, but he gives them a certain type of characteristics. Look at the fig tree. Look at the fig tree. And he begins to describe the fig tree. Uh, I have it right here. Matthew 20, Matthew 20, 24, 32. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When his branch, when his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that the summer is nigh. When the fig tree is responding a certain type of way because of the time period that it's in, it's been, been planted, you know that the time is close. You look sure. at what's been going on with Israel. Israel was regathered. Ezekiel chapter 37, right? The, the dry bones, right? It's like we've all made the same mistake taking that scripture out of, out of, out of context. You know, It's like the number one, you know, I, don't know, I don't know now, but you know, when I was younger, you know, in youth camps, you wanted to put the fear of God in some some young people that were acting and being fools in youth camps. You, you preach about the dry bones, you know, a bunch of dry bones, and mm. but God's gonna bring you back. Like, well, that's actually the prophetic uh, a, a, a prophetic occurrence that was going to happen with Israel and the regathering of them being fulfilled when 1948, 1949, when they became a nation again. Ezekiel 37 was fulfilled in 1948. That's mm-hmm. The regathering of Israel. Well, wow, we're getting close. Nobody thought that Israel was going to be a nation, but God regathered them and they became a nation. Why? They need to be a nation in order for there to be the fulfillment of other things to come. There has mm-hmm. to be, there has to be an alliance between Russia and there has to be an alliance between Russia and, and, and Arab nations. There has to be. Why? We're Mog and Magog, Ezekiel chapter 36, 37, 38, 39. These certain things that happen and the stage is being set, but we don't see it because the media is not telling us. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing it. Oh, what happened in the Obama administration with Syria, that was huge prophetically. Huge prophetically. Huge. Because Russia came in and tried to keep, tried to keep the president of Syria in power. The United States tried to get involved and get him out of power. And a coalition started over there. That's a prophetic coalition that Ezekiel saw. And it's still developing. The powers of, of, of Russia with the Arab nations are going to come against the Jews. Look, the Arabs hate the Jews. Yeah, you remember in the inception of, of, of in the reinception of the nation of yeah. Israel, nineteen forty-eight, the Six Day War. I mean, you had armies and nations coming against Israel, and they survived miraculously. The hand of God. Why? Because the hand of God is upon Israel. That's right. The purpose of God. Why is the hand of God upon Israel? Abrahamic covenant, an eternal covenant that God made forever. Well, right now, America is friends with 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 Israel. America is Israel's strongest ally, but there's going to be a moment when it's not going to be anymore. You know who's, mm-hmm. going, to be, who's going to be Israel's strongest ally? The Antichrist Empire. Mm-hmm. And that's when that, that conflict of interest and happened between Russia and Arab. So all these things were well, Antichrist, Antichrist Empire. What has happened? The EU, the, United, the, the European Union. When did that start? Guys, this, is, this, has, this has been going on. Yeah. European Union has been it has been around for a long time. Wow, yeah. Well, when it started, <laughs> the ball was already rolling, boys. You know what I'm trying to say? So mm-hmm. it's like we're not living in the end times. Oh my goodness, you're you're seriously, seriously. <laughs> yeah, and, and like up. like how you said, you, you, Revelation people associate the word or the the saying "end of times" with the Book of Revelations, when in reality, Revelations doesn't mean the end of times. 
it means what is to come to be revealed to us you know it. it's it's the revelation of the of the revealed word, word of god so so we we when, when people like i said here uh the apocalypse the end of times uh people just go straight to to revelations when, that, when that's not true um you it's know, all over. revelations, it's not only what is to come, like you said, it's what was, what is, and what is to come also. Right. So what was, you know, uh, was Jesus uh, being, uh, even the Old Testament, the Old Testament speaks, I feel like the Old Testament has more prophecies than, uh, you know, the actual book of Revelations, because it it, it said, like, like how you said, it sets a foundation, it, it prophesies about the setting of the foundation else that is to come which was who jesus so right. which was which is without that you don't have anything else without a beginning you don't have a middle and you don't have an end so so revelations is very important to be taken into consideration not only you know the world will be ending and and you know uh, god's gonna come for his people and the antichrist and the mark of the beast no that's not what revelations is about revelations is about the fulfillment of the plan of God that he had premeditated from the beginning. And, and that fulfillment began with Jesus, you know? So, so revelation started with Jesus, you know? So, so yeah, that, that's very, that's very important because, um, you know, it's, it's not about being scared or, or frightened by, by what's to come. It's about by finding comfort in what was set as a foundation before what is to come will come. And and if you find comfort in Jesus, like how Daniel and you said, I'm not when the day the day the Lord comes, I'm not gonna be scared because my foundations which were set on Jesus are firm. And 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 I believe that it's not only what's to happen, but it is that I shall not worry about that because um what happened already you know, gave me that type, that comfort that showed me that God is with me, no matter if things aren't looking my way, no matter if, if, if things aren't, you know, looking like a, like a summer day or, or whatever, you know? So it's very, I, I feel like it's very important to take into consideration the fact that Revelations isn't only the book of Revelations, but it's, you know, the, what has been revealed to us already and what we're going through and what it is to come. So, so when you said that, that really, you know, touched my heart and that really confirmed my belief in that. So, no, it's, it's so, like you said something, you know, uncertainty, uncertainty breeds fear. We, we, yeah. we, there's a yeah. place for fear because there's uncertainty. And this yeah. is the thing 70, over 70% of your Bible is prophecy. Did you know that? Every single book of the Bible has prophecy, starting with yeah. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That's the first prophetic utterance that you find. Genesis chapter three, the wonder word, so, the wonder victim. So, 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 through, throughout all scripture, you find the revelation of the plan of God. Well, why am I not afraid? Why is why am I not fearful of the end times? Because I am not in a place of uncertainty. I read, mm -hmm. I study. Sure. Blessed exactly. is he that reads and hears the words. Man, uh, Daniel, man, you, you you killed it with that verse, man. You were you were in the spirit when you when you used that verse. I'm telling you, you set a foundation. I was gonna say, I was gonna I say was, something. You yeah, go ahead. You go said ahead. something interesting. You said we're living in. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You said uh, the churches of Pergamos and Philadelphia, right? Uh, uh, Laodicea. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Laodicea, in Philadelphia. Um, so you would say we pass, we've gone through like Ephesus being the first one, and, and so on and so forth. 
like we've passed through those phases already or, or passed through those uh, stages of, of a church like great question. time? Yeah, great, great question. So the, so the church, the church age, the church age. And like I said, Matthew 13 has different, different parables that show different um, attitudes, different types of, 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 of structures that you're going to see throughout the church age. The book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3 gives us more understanding and insight into these types of uh, details of these parables by the nature of these churches. If you look at time periods, if you look at time periods in history, these seven churches don't only represent a time period within, because there were seven literal churches that were around. Literal churches, yeah. Of Asia Minor in the days of, of, of of the Apostle John. But these seven churches had different characteristics that you see throughout time. To in the in in the church today, there's people that represent that represent and have the feel of the Church of Ephesus, of the Church of Pergamos, yeah. of the Church. But mm-hmm. in an overall scope, in an overall scope, you see, you see, because why? If the Church Age is a timeline, and if these seven churches are a timeline, we have to begin to see. Let's let's take the temperature of the church today. What are we seeing, man? You read the you read the description of the Church of Laodicea. Literally, what's going on today? You read yeah. the church, you read the you read the, the the temperature. You read the details of the Church of Philadelphia. Literally, what's going on today? You're either allowed to say literally the word allowed to say in Greek means where the flesh rules. Mm. And and one of you guys said it earlier. People don't preach about the about prophecy. People don't preach about the word of God as an authority. Why? Because they want you. They want to make you feel comfortable. Yeah. But they want to leave you in sin, where the flesh rules. They want to leave you in those perspectives, those philosophical constructs that are trying to define and isolate the word of God. Uh, don't let the word of God be an authority in your life, but you. But the word of God has to submit to your lifestyle. No, allegorize mm-hmm. whatever you need to be able that you don't like. Like that is where the flesh rules. But then you got the Church of Philadelphia. The church is on fire for God. Sold out to God. Sold out to the word of God. They kept the word of truth, and because they kept the word of truth, God's going to keep them in the time. Temptation at the time of tribulation. So hopefully that answers that answers the question. Yeah, yeah. I I was gonna say, based on all the churches, the only okay, okay. So let me go back to Matthew twenty four because it says the love of many will grow cold, Mm -hmm. and where it says that the love of many will grow cold, um, the word is agape there Mm -hmm. as well, and then you see in Ephesus, you know, they left their first love again. The word loves and it's the agape, agape love yeah. of God. Um, do you think that? Oh, and also in context, the only church of the seven that got threatened to have their candlesticks removed was the church of Ephesus. Mm-hmm. In other words, and and if you go to the chapter one, all the candlesticks are in the hands of God. They're on the hands of Jesus. If you go into chapter one, so in that context, if you put it all in perspective, the only church that he's like, I really don't want anything to do with because he's literally taking it off of the, uh, taking the candlestick away and throwing it away is the church of Ephesus, which lost their first love, which you could say lost the love of God and lost um, love for their brother. Is that the most, I don't even know how to describe this. Um, is that the most dangerous place a church will can be in the in the end times? Because, like you said, those churches we are also seeing throughout the end times, and we're seeing that. And um, as far as having their candlesticks removed, like you're not even a part of God. Like he didn't say that about 
any other church <laughs> and they were all terrible but mm-hmm. he didn't say that about any other church but the one that left the first love um do you do you think that there's a in these times there's a lack of the love of god or a lack of the love of the brother that proves that these are critical times that we're living in in, in this you prove that you are my disciples that you love one another mm-hmm. i feel like the avenue through which the one of the final moments of God's outpouring and God's manifestation of his power through the church before the rapture, one of the elements that's going to bring that into come into, into fruition is going to be love. True love. Mm. Love within a church. Love within the body of Christ. Uh, it's important for us to be able to understand to understand that and see that, the importance of that. Um, you know, to, to, to what you're saying about, you know, Ephesus, um, you know, Ephesus is described in a very specific and a very interesting way. Is it the most dangerous thing? I think the most dangerous thing that a church can do is disconnect themselves and have an absent Christ. Mm-hmm. Look at the church of Laodicea. It said, it said, I stand at the door and I knock. In other words, they had they were having church. They had the pews. They had the system. They had the structure. They had the people. But Jesus, <laughs> the purpose. Yeah. More important. The, the, most the important. one that there's no church without him. He was outside mm-hmm. knocking. There was an absent Christ in Laodicea. I think the worst thing that we can do is have an absent Christ because if we have an absent Christ, God is love. If God mm-hmm. is not in it, then how can love be in there? Mm-hmm. Having an absent Christ is something that it's ironic. It, it, it makes no sense. You know, uh, to the to the to the church of, of Smyrna, what was it was it was it told to them? You have a name that you live, but in reality, you are dead. You're showing something that you're really not. So, you know, the consequences of having an absent Christ are the lack of love. It's going to take you to a place of getting your candlestick removed and the severity of that. I agree with what you're saying, bro. Like, it's, it's, it's a severe place to be in. But I think the most important thing that is being, that is being represented through the messages to these churches is hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. In other words, I cannot be absent from what you're doing. I need to be involved. I know your works. It starts every single church. It starts, I know your works. I know who you are. I know exactly where you're. So it's, it's you know, the church of Ephesus. Yeah, you know, they went through all that. They lost all that. And, and you had all those all those challenges. But I think that the church of Lysia kind of better wraps everything. Yeah. If, you're, yeah. if you have an absent Christ, you, you won't have love. That's if you true. have an absent Christ, you won't have power. If you have an absent Christ, you won't have you won't have God. You won't have direction. How can you function? It's ironic. How can you be a church without God? That's right. And that's what so um, that's what a lot of places are today. They're not churches, man. They're social clubs. Yeah, mm. <laughs> that's true. Social clubs. Uh, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. That's good. Yeah. Um, I have um, I have another question. Um, kind of uh, shifting subjects, but not really, because everything's uh, regarding the same thing. No. Um, what do you think? It's gonna happen. Or, or, or what has the word revealed to you, that's a better way to put it, that is going to happen when the rapture comes to those who, you know, are, will consider themselves Christians, but are going to stay behind? What do you think is going to happen to those who are going to stay behind? Or, or what is going to happen? As yeah. as you're not. Uh, so Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 gives us the answer to that question. A lot of people are saying, oh, there's going to be a second chance. Is there going to be a second chance? Is there not going to be a second chance? Da, 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 da. Okay. Right now, the influence of God and the plan of God is on the fulfillment of the church. The Gentiles have the attention of God right now. We have the attention of God. God is, 
is is gathering his church. God is God is fulfilling that 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 bride, right? That, that's where he's at right now. And the spirit of God is moving. I don't believe that after the rapture, the spirit of God is not going to move. That's impossible. Why? Because it's still the same dispensation, it's still the same salvific method. When when God, when Jesus gave this dispensation salvific method, when he revealed it, who did he reveal it to? A Gentile? No. Nicodemus was, Nicodemus was a Jew. In the tribulation, the Jews that are going to be saved, they're going to receive the Holy Ghost. They're going to be speaking in tongues. They're going to be baptized in Jesus' name. That's the only salvific method. It's still going to be the same one. It's the same time. So when I like how you said the Jews. I like how you said the Jews because a lot of people would just be like, oh, you know, if I get left behind, I'm going to just get my head chopped off. And you're just like, every time I hear that, I'm just like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Right. And that's why let's look at 2 Thessalonians because, look, salvation is the work of the Holy Ghost. Right. Corinthians Mm -hmm. says it this way. He is reconciling the world to himself. Right mm-hmm. before you went to give a track to that person that you brought, before you invited that guy to, 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 to church, before you had a Bible study, the Holy Ghost was already working in that individual. Revelation was already trying to, God was already pursuing that. The, the work, the ministry of reconciliation was already working. And it's already at work right now. The Spirit of God is moving you, trying to draw you to Him right now. But what's going to happen after the rapture? Second Thessalonians, right? Uh, you saw the weekend, coming the signs with all the silverness. Uh, let, let me start with let me start with uh, with verse eight, and then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, that's the Antichrist, and shall destroy him with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of sin with all power, signs, and lying wonders, deceiving with all deceivableness, lying one verse, verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Here's the answer. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, who? God will send them a strong delusion that they will believe a lie. If you don't accept God right now that the ministry of reconciliation is working in your life, how in the world? Are you going to accept God when God is going to send you a strong delusion? Yeah, that's right. How is if if the love if the love of God is trying to reach, not accept the love of God. Mm-hmm. God love loved you. God love loved you, and you did not accept it. The ministry of reconciliation is working right now, and you're not accepting it. So what is that going to do? Okay, in God's justice, in God's perfect justice, He will send them. A delusion that they believe a lie and be damned. <laughs> now, hopefully, Tough, that man. answers the question in a way that. that yeah. Oh yeah, and no, that's good, and, that and that's important, and that's important to know. And it's important yeah. to know because a lot of people do do say that, and I always say like, nah, like the, after the rapture is just for the Jews, like that's it, like it's not for us, like not for the Gentiles, like I have to explain it to them because I feel like people think that that's like a get out of jail free card, and it's just like. If it was that easy, like you'd see, like the entire world getting their head chopped off, you know. It, 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 it's not about that, you know. It, you 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 reference Matthew twenty four, mm-hmm. and a lot and a lot of uh, post post trip uh, people they they use Matthew twenty four. Oh, they do. Yeah. Now let's go into let's go into hermeneutics, mm-hmm. right? Let's go into context, mm-hmm. right? What happens in Matthew twenty four? Who is Jesus speaking to? The disciples, mm-hmm. right? 
the disciples that are the representatives of Israel right there. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about talking to them as representatives of Israel of things that are going to happen to Israel, mm -hmm. to the Jews. You have to understand that context. That is setting the stage. That is setting the place of rightly dividing the scripture and understanding what is being, what is, what is being told. Mm -hmm. It's important for us to be able to understand that. Every single time that I teach about the Olivet Discourse, I say Jesus was talking to the disciples as direct representatives. The disciples, they, they, they had, it was like they had a dual, dual purpose because, because before the cross and before, um, before uh, uh, the day of Pentecost, they are the representatives of the Jews, the representatives of Israel. They're, they're being dealt with, and Jesus is dealing with them, teaching them about the things that have to do with the Jews. But what happens after they receive the Holy Ghost? How does how did the book of Acts start? The disciples are still in Israel mode, and they say, are you going to restore now the kingdom to Israel? Mm -hmm. It's not for you tonight. So God is telling them, that, whoa, whoa, there's a program that's happening. I'm, I'm shifting you from disciples into apostles. Mm -hmm. I'm shifting you into a program now. Mm -hmm. It has to do with the fulfillment of the church. So they were representatives of the people of Israel and the Olivet Discourse. And now in the book of Acts and in the rest of the New Testament, they are the, 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 they are the, uh, the foundation setters of doctrine as apostles. So it's important for us to be able to understand the distinctions between Israel and the church. Israel, the church, and the Gentiles. There's very, very clear distinctions. Yeah. We have to know that. We have to know that. Mm -hmm. Who are, okay, this is going to be like, I mean, I feel like we're talking like so much. <laughs> I don't I don't mind though. I can talk about this all day. Um, I, I do have to get going here a little bit. Oh, no, 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 okay. Let you know, so. All right. This, all right. This, make, this question might be like super long though. No, honestly, it's not. It's, it's really not. For me, it's not. Because you just read it and you're just like, oh, okay. Those are the 144,000. Who are the 144,000? 144,000. <laughs> just, just so people very, very, can very good get, just so people can understand, because I feel like I'm just like always telling them. <laughs> there, there are there are two there are two witnesses that come in the power of God, mm -hmm. and they begin to preach. They begin to be witnesses, right? Mm -hmm. What we are what we are supposed to be right now in this time period mm -hmm. to gather. They are going to do it before the Jews. Mm -hmm. They're going to go to the people, and the Bible says to the people of their kin, mm -hmm. of their own, mm -hmm. right? It's important for us to be able to understand that. Daniel chapter 9, we didn't talk about Daniel chapter 9. It's, it's, guys, it's so much more. You know, mm, yeah. We have another opportunity. We can have a part two. We can have a part two. Yeah, we can talk because Daniel chapter 9 is so key. Daniel 70 weeks is so key because it says there, 70 weeks have been determined for your people and your holy city. Who is he talking to? The church? Mm-mm. The church wasn't even around. He's talking to Daniel. Mm -hmm. Daniel as a representative of the Jew. So in the working of God in the tribulation, there's going to be a, a moment where uh, when their scales are going to come down. Romans chapter, Romans chapter 11, their scales are going to come down. They're going to begin to see. They are being drawn into jealousy by what? By this wild olive tree being inserted into the fatness of the tree. That was because the original branches, according to the book of Romans, were taken off, which are the Jews. And he brought in these wild Gentiles, right? <laughs> and he inserted them into the fatness of the true vine, of the true olive tree, right? So what happens here is you have to understand and know that God's dealing in the tribulation is with the Jews, is to be able to get them to a place of realization. How many tribes make up the yeah. people of Israel? 
<laughs> 12. 12. Mm-hmm. 144, that was 12,000 times. 12, 144. That's exactly <laughs> what I tell them all the time. I remember I was in class and they were like, what is it, 144,000? I was like, I just, I was like, keep reading. I was like, keep reading. It, it literally says it right there. It says 12,000 from Benjamin, 12,000 from Judah, 12,000 from... I'm just like, just keep reading, man. It says it right there. It says it right there. Yeah. This is, this is great on... Andrew, uh, I we feel like this would be a, a great place to close this. We definitely need to have you back if if you oh, accept that invitation. That. We definitely Absolutely. need to have you back because I feel like there's so much more to extend to. We pretty much just this was the tip of the iceberg, but we still yeah. got to touch so much that's you know still to come and that has come that we don't understand that it that it already came and we would love to have you back. Um, but we want to close up with with one more with um with one last question. And that is, do you have any advice or any word to that person who is not saved and who is thinking of, you know, giving their life to Christ and who is thinking of, of you know, ge- being born again of the water, and, but it's having doubts? Do you have any, any words for somebody who's in that specific situation? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like I like to use this quote. Uh, it's it's a it's a philosophy quote that is quoted a lot. But I, I like to I like to insert um, something. And I, I want to say that you said the questions, the doubt, who is still dabbling and to see what he's going to do with if this is it or if it's not. You know, over, over the the other day I woke up and over here in Stockton, man, it was ashy. It was like there was it was raining ash because of all the fires that are going over here. My car was full of it. It was crazy mm. and, and it was all gloomy. It looked like the apocalypse type of apocalyptic. <laughs> and I went, yeah. through, I went through Starbucks and I sat there and I was talking to the guy and the guy, you know, he, according to his political inclinations that he was representing on the way that he was uh, dressed, you know, I can tell that, you know, you can, people represent who they are. And I said, man, Im- imagine, imagine if all this word and all this Bible stuff is actually real. Hmm. Look outside. And you could see fear in that yeah. guy's face. It was like, wow, what if what if it's true? What if it's so so this is you know it, the four questions, every single human being has four questions that they need to be answered. Meaning, dest uh, origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Mm. Origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Origin, where did I come from? Meaning, what's my value? Morally, how am I supposed to live here? And destiny, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? We all want to know that. One verse of scripture answers all that question. John 14, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the only answer and the only place that you're going to find absolute truth. People are tired of being lied to. You've tried this, you've tried education, you've tried money, you've tried relationships, and you're still empty. That's right. It's powerful. Truth, the way. What am I going to do with my life? There are so many innumerable outcomes that can happen. There are so many different things that I can do with my life. You know, at a certain age, I mean, what, what degree am I going to get? What school am I going to get? It's like, what am I going to, how do I know that I'm making the right decision? Who am I going to get married to? It's so many different variables. Oh, he says, I'm the way. I'll show you exactly what it is. I'll show you the perfect outcome for your life and the purpose that I have for you and I am the life John 10 10 the enemy comes to kill steal and destroy but I have come Whew, that you might have life and life more abundantly Jesus Christ is the all in all 
Jesus will not satisfy only one segment of your life. Jesus Christ is the only thing that will satisfy the true fulfillment of everything that has to do with your life, your existence, your meaning, your morality, your destiny, and your future. Sure. That's great. Um, well, Pastor, thank you so much for, for all this that you've given us to think about. Um, and, you know, we just want to thank our listeners for, for making it this far. If you made it this far, make sure to let us know. Uh, I don't know if, Dan, you have anything else to add or... Yeah, you you said it all, brother. You said it all. So you know, shout out to you for making time for this. And uh, thank you guys, thank you guys. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you guys so much. It was awesome. I never met you guys before, but I feel like we're <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Way. We we all felt that way, really. Um, yeah, I so feel like right I could now, speak to you about this for days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have, man. Uh, shout out to James for for plugging us with you, man. James, oh, I love James, James gave us one of our best episodes. Uh, you should go listen to it. Uh, it's titled "Singlehood to Marriedhood." He, you know, he enlightened us and he gave us like so much to think about, also. But we, you know, we want to thank you today, and uh, we want to give you this time to shout out, you know, your social medias, uh, whatever you have going on right now. This is for you. Uh, you know, you want to give somebody a shout out. Thanks to somebody, whatever. Whoever's listening, this is your time. You know, you have anything coming up or, or whatever. Go ahead. The floor's all yours. Well, no, the, the only thing, you know, definitely to James, you know, he, he texted me and told me about you guys. And James is a dear friend of mine. I, and, you know, I, I went to Bible college with Jesse Corneo with his with his brother. And Jesse's also a dear, dear friend of mine. Me, me and him, you know, we, we go we go way back and, and James as well. And um, so definitely to, to James, he's, he's a tremendous guy. And, you know, it's just honestly, man, the only thing I can say that I would want to shout out that I want to be kind of just just like look for the purpose of god in your life man just make sure that you whatever you do and if you feel the call of god to to the ministry if you call of god like answer that call and christian life college is here man if you guys want to be able to to do that come on come on up come on up and we'll we'll, we'll set you straight <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to follow um andrew uh pastor andrew in social medias uh his instagram is andrew underscore puentes right Yep. Yeah. yeah. Andrew underscore Puentes. So you, we want to leave it here. Thank you for, for listening this far. If you made it this far, make sure to let us know. Thank thank everybody for their support. Uh, you know, you guys inspire us to, to keep pushing our content and, and the way you guys respond gave give us that strength to keep going and not give up because we know that this isn't only benefiting us because it is benefiting us. It's also benefiting other people out there who are listening and who need it to hear certain things that aren't being told to them in other um, uh, other platforms or other ways. And because of this quarantine, everybody's more into social media now. So, you know, we thank God that he gave us this opportunity to be able to push our content to you guys. And with that being said, man, shout out to Danny, Josue, and Andrew Puente. Shout out to all of you. And, you know, we want to end it here. Thank everybody for listening. God bless you. We'll see you next episode.